Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 233. And today's is a request from um, a couple people about a, a, not a hardcore topic, you know, like wool breaking or de-chasing, but it's more about a, more of the relationship and behavioral thing uh, with dogs. A, and a good friend of once and, and past client had sent me an article that he said, he sends it to me, he goes, tell me what you think, well, already knowing, because it was an article about how dogs basically mirror us, and it was written by a good trainer and stuff, and and I would say, I don't know about mirror, but I, I would say they reflect back what um, what we put out and how we interact with them and what we are communicating when we do that. To say they just mirror a little bit denies their own independence and that they're a, you know, it's our job to see them as the kind of creature they are and their personality and their temperament and their all that stuff. But in the end, they always wind up taking on our perspective of the world and, and reflecting back much of what we put out and much of what we believe. And I've talked about, for example, I, I think I talked one day about the lady. I'm a townie now. I, li- I don't live out in the middle of nowhere. And I have my little nine-pound wiener dog and I have to walk her on a leash. And I live across the street from a, a lady who has a yellow labby-looking thing. She said it was lab and sharpe. And I ran, I met, I, I was coming out, didn't have my dog, thankfully, I didn't know at the time. And she, she just said, um, actually, no, she, I've never met her dog. She always disappears if anybody comes out. But we met in the street one time and she was telling me about her dog and how it was attacked one time. I had told this in another podcast about a, a uh, Rhodesian Ridgeback, Ridgeback somewhere. And now it's terrified of other dogs, and she has to keep it far, far away. You know, and I thought, well, Rhodesian Ridgeback, all right, well, okay, it must have been terrible. And so I never, she, if I'm out, she, her dog will not come out. I almost never see her. She always manages to come out when nobody's around or no other dogs. But the other day I was coming back from airing my uh, rabbit hunting winter dog, on a short leash, we're walking back, coming between two of the buildings, going back to mine, and she had just come out with her dog. And she just dives behind a car that's parked in front of her place, just dives behind it. And I said, well, don't worry, I'm not coming over there, we're just going back back to the house here. And she goes, oh, I just don't want it, something about, I don't want to get, my dog to get distracted, or I, I don't know, something. I have a nine-pound wiener. She's not six inches off the ground. The dog couldn't even see her because there was cars there in the in the parking area. And this lady was terrified. And she was like going to go back in the house. I went, no, 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 I'm just walking back. It's okay. And, and then she disappeared around the side of the building. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't care what happened. I don't think anybody would be afraid of my little teeny dog. It has no interest in other dogs. She's still hunting bunnies back to the front door. Um, that's all she's doing. And she was absolutely terrified. And I realized it wasn't the dog that had been attacked by the Rhodesian Ridgeback. It was her. She was seemed really kind of reticent about people. But, oh, my gosh, if, there were, if her dog was out, it had to be literally invisible to everybody. And 
uh, it just it really struck me that her dog's problem wasn't really the Rhodesian Ridgeback. It was that her owner was, for whatever reason, just, I mean, I'd never seen anyone react like that. To me, being 20 yards away, heading another direction, and then diving behind cars, very odd. I thought, hmm, okay, the dog has learned to be frightened of everything. Although when you see the dog, I've seen it out the window, it's all normal. It's, she's the one that's that's skirting out of the way in case somebody else comes around with one. She never lets her dog be with anybody else. It reminded me of my sister. Grew up in the house I did. She was a horse lady. Uh, we always had a lot of animals. You know, we all kind of had the same philosophy or approach on this stuff. And she wound up, through her life, always getting um, rescues, or then she really got into Australian Shepherds. Never let them go do their Australian Shepherd thing, but uh, always really liked the breed. And my sister, bless her heart, is a very fearful human being. She won't drive if she doesn't have to. She won't drive on the freeway. She wouldn't fly until she actually had to fly for, for she was a professor, had to go somewhere for something. Just afraid and very afraid of dogs. <laughs> I was like, how do you grow up in our house and be afraid of dogs? But anyway, she always was. Just if we were out walking or running together and there was a dog, she would literally start going the other way or get up on something like it was going to attack her. So needless to say, all of her dogs, if I'd walk into her house, I'd go in there and they start barking and growling, which is very hard for me. It's like, that is not okay. But it was for her. They're afraid. She'd actually have them on a leash when I came into her house to make sure nothing bad happened. So her dogs were very fearful uh, that she never let them off a leash. She would take them on a leash into her two-acre yard, and they would still be on leash. It's like, what do you, because I guess they could uh, jump the fence. I don't know. It, it was just, uh, and her dogs became, became exactly the way they showed, they exhibited all of her fears and anxiety and nervousness and distrust. They just took all of that on. And so that is a characteristic of our dogs, particularly the kind, you know, well-bred and sensitive and intelligent, they do that kind of thing. And so when we have problems with dogs, like my neighbor, like my sister, you know, we have, they, we have problems. And so they go to a, you know, they do treats, give some, give your dog treats when they're afraid. Get, I don't, all this stuff to try and, and basically, uh, whitewash over what the real problem is and that is this dog is is just reflecting back to you exactly what you feel what you're afraid of what you're thinking about how you view the world on all kinds of stuff and that includes the training that we do for hunting dogs for competitive dogs and even for house dogs it's very much that way so for example um i had a was training a dog for a lady one time and let's see, she got up to, we were running at Master Hunter, and it was a hard-charging, very fire-breathing dragon kind of dog, very talented. I guess he's finished several Master Nationals now. But so I, I got the title on him, and then she would want to run him, understandably. And she would always say, but what do I do if he breaks? Is he going to break? She was obsessed with breaking because as a young dog, he always did that with her. So, well... All right, uh, you know, if if you keep thinking about it, then he's going to do And he did. He would break on her in a master. I got his title on him, 
and he never broke on anything. Oh, he sure wanted to go, but you know, we were walking up there going, listen, guy, I'm the one in control and you're going to do this stuff. When she went up thinking about breaking, then her dog would break. And a real good analogy for what I'm talking about is when they teach in those, in, in driving school, um, counter steering in is when you're sliding or something. I don't know if they still do. And then when you're on ice, you know, there were real specific things. If you're sliding on ice and in Colorado this year, we are doing a lot of that. When you're sliding on ice, if you're sitting there looking at the concrete abutment, that's where you're going to go. Regardless of you turning the wheels the right way, whether it's front wheel drive or rear wheel drive or whatever, that's where you're going to go. And when I'm, when I'm running, when I run and I'm, now I'm in the city and I'm out running and I always make sure people can see me, right? And when people are coming the other, toward me in a car and they're looking at me, they, they come closer and closer and closer. And I know they're going to be two, three feet from me going by there 45 miles an hour because they're looking at the lady on the street and they steer over that direction. It's a human nature to do that. Where your mind is, what you're thinking about, where your focus is, is what happens. And it's the lady that was focused on her dog breaking and being out of control. Therefore, that's what happened. And when people get very worried about certain things, then they put that into the air. I have another example of that. I have a client and, and friend that's, uh, I, I trained, I got all the basics on his dog before I had to leave. Young dog, pointing lab. And he wanted me one time to go out in the field with the two of them. I'm like, sure, okay, I hadn't seen him in a while uh, in the upland field. So we went out and we're walking through, he put birds out, we're walking through the field. And his dog's doing a real nice job hunting, and you could tell when it started to get birdie, right, how they get. Gets real excited. You can tell he's he's on the on scent somewhere. And then all of a sudden, he just starts just like, uh, not running, but almost running, getting over to where his dog was as fast as he could. And he's running over there. And as soon as he starts that, then the dog starts creeping. So he's moving in faster, and the dog's creeping, and then the bird comes up and flies away. So the dog was de-chased. Kudos there. That was a good job. But I'm just watching this going, whoo, that was a, kind of a high-energy situation right there. So he got his dog. He's headed out, off toward the next bird. We're walking along. And then you could see when we finally got to where the next one was, the dog was getting real birdie. And I grabbed its arm. <laughs> just say, let's just let's not run up there. Let's just slow, let's stop for a second. So we stopped. And his dog did locate the bird and wasn't a, a classic kind of point that you would want out of that dog right then, but he stopped, which was a natural thing, wasn't, not wool broke or anything, he stopped, but he was stopped in a kind of a tentative way. And we just, I said, let's just stay here for a minute. And the dog stayed. And then we very slowly just walked over there, kind of normal, like you would if you were enjoying the afternoon with your dog. And it wasn't until we got close that then the dog moved in and flushed the bird. And so we had a little talk about that. It's like he was, and he's new to this. His dog's fairly new to this stuff. He was, you know, he's watched all the, he trains with the cool kids. So he knows what these dogs look like when they're finished training a year or two away, <laughs> right? 
and he wants dad and he wants to do everything right and he doesn't want to make a mistake in front of me and the dog's on a bird and he wants to be able to shoot it if he points it because that's what he's heard you're supposed to do and so he's got all this angst and worry and concern and he and he's put in i mean because he's seriously serious about doing all this stuff right and so it all transfers over to his dog who's like oh golly I, I guess I better and so he doesn't really know what to do because he's just too young and he can't be taught all this finished stuff it's a process so he's just excited so he moves up and he produces a bird but he knows he can't chase it so he stops and he thinks he's doing fine but he's it, it, there's no clarity he's very nervous and and it's not as successful as they would like so when we removed most of that just on the second bird now the dog was still unsure because it's like where's this giant energy thing coming toward me that's not happening like it always does so he he didn't give the solid performance he will when he relaxes and gets confidence about this but he didn't move in until we got real close so he had created by his excitement and nervousness and concern and anxiety and all the other things he had created that exact performance in that dog so i guess he laid off for a little bit and then when they went back again the dog never even moved <laughs> never even, and it relaxed didn't go running in just said matter of fact i believe sent the gunner in so he had created this problem air quotes in the upland field and then wondered how to solve it and it had it was just him that we had to solve <laughs> we had to make him understand what he was imparting to this dog and then stop doing that so that's a real hard thing to teach people to don't do that anymore when it's in their nature and there's a lot of people in dog training they're real nervous and they're real worried about what everybody else thinks and they're real worried about how they look compared to everybody else and what is uh, all that kind of stuff where they're watching somebody in front of them just blow up just you know the dog didn't get in the water or didn't get back in and now he's slipping whistles and now everybody's getting all mad and somebody's and you sit there and stare at that stuff then it's in your head I always tell all my clients in competition, if you're in the holding blind getting ready to go run, whether it's land, water, upland, whatever it is, and the dog in front of you and the, or the handler is not doing things well, don't watch that. Even if it's somebody you kind of enjoy when they're falling apart, oh, boy, if he didn't deserve that, no one does. Even that kind of stuff, don't watch that because that's in your head. And I'll never watch it. I, and all, after I started competing in the dog stuff, whenever I saw that, I would turn away and look at my dog and make a plan for, you know, how I was going to run this and all the good stuff that was going to happen. Very much into that. Another example of this, and I'll just use something more in the retriever world. Another example of this is when especially if you're getting all the nervous thing you guys the the nervous because you don't know what to do thing i mean it's okay for everybody to get a little nervous and angsty everyone does you know the best of the best gets a little nervous and angsty but that's just adrenaline that's going to help them have very quick responses but if you're nervous and have anxiety and you're worried and you don't have the confidence and you're concerned and all that kind of stuff, and let's say you're running a really hard technical blind, you're running that, 
you know, and, and you're getting ready to do that, and your dog skipped that first little piece of water. You, you didn't blow the whistle fast enough. Yeah, I've got to blow the whistle faster. And so now your mind starts speeding up, right? And so now you blow, the, let's say we're training even, we're in training, you know, and so now you call them back and now you're, now you're mad and you heard somebody making a comment over there. And now you, you give the cast into the water and he doesn't take it and now we're getting mad. And so you speed up and now you you actually push the electricity on the electric collar before you blew your whistle. So the dog's just like going, what the heck? And you lose the dog and they're getting all wired up and now they're going to run around the water or they're not going to do something and then you get madder and the whole thing kind of spirals out of control and you wonder what's wrong with this silly dog it's always the dog's fault right always the dog's fault you know why are they doing this why is it and it wasn't them it never was them it's in the very beginning when you got angry and then your your timing changed slightly wrong and your dog got confused and then so then he kind of reacted to the confusion and then you got madder and then he got a little bit afraid because he knows what happens on this kind of stuff and you wonder what how why is this happening what what's wrong with this dog and the dog is reflecting back what he is receiving from you it is unless your dog is just a nuts dog you know with mental dog mental illness which there are some of it's always reflecting you it is always our behavior our thoughts the things that we did and then uh, let me give another blind example for people that are fairly sophisticated so you're you're training on a, a, a hard blind got a lot of stuff to it right and so if you're kind of let me say mindlessly running this blind in other words there's a lot of stuff in the middle that where you got to get them through it not around it and all that kind of thing and you give three casts your first three casts are to the left okay you give your first three casts because your dog you know, is falling with the wind or something. You give three casts to the left. Then you get them, oh man, they're all, they're right out there. They're right out there. They're just to the left of something. So you need a little bit of a right cast. And you give them a right cast and they take a right turn and then they go left again. And you're now, you know, tweet, burn on the collar and we're mad. And now they're on the other side of it. Now we got to bring them back. And now they're coming back in over on the left side instead of the right. Now they're further from the blind. Then you start to get really mad, wondering what what's wrong with this darn dog without understanding that you kept telling that dog, go left, go left, go left, go left, go left. Okay, that's what they got in their mind. All the So you got to be careful at the beginning of blinds what you're communicating because that's with them as they carry on through the blind. I've watched so many people. I've done it myself. You know, it's like, gosh, all that stuff in the beginning, now he's doing what I was telling him, but I wanted it all to be different. So dogs are reflecting, you know, you were not running the whole blind. You were just going little step by steps. The dog's running the whole blind. Then you get angry and confused. And then he tries harder to do what you'd been telling him to do all along. And then it all blows up and you get all mad at the dog. And a lot of times they suffer a little bit from that stuff. And you suffer. And all of it is because you were unable to sit there and diagnose some things you might have done that led that dog to that behavior but that is a really hard thing to do because to do that you're going to have to be aware of several things at one time one wh what what is my dog thinking right now what's happening out there what am i thinking 
you got to kind of have the whole big picture. It's not easy. The, when you watch Finnish dogs being handled by people, and it just looks right, it's so easy. Oh, Jesus, point them, they go, they take a calf, they do all that stuff. If you haven't done that a lot, you have no idea how much work, how many mistakes have gone into getting to a level where you're thinking about the whole blind, you're aware that you what you communicate up front is carried through the blind. You know, when you get a kind of a real wrong initial line, sometimes it's really hard to get it back because you change your direction so drastically. And if you change your dog's direction a lot, those of you guys that send them out and then give them an over to get them back onto the correct line, it just gets training, like I said. I mean, there's nothing you're communicating to the dog. They don't get Etch-a-Sketch. So they aren't going to have a lot of confidence. They aren't going to have a lot of trust in you because one cast doesn't logically follow the other in making progress to the blind. So they're merely reflecting your ro robotic thing by being more robotic about what they're doing than just swooshing on out there to the blind in some really nice, easy cast. So... Dogs that break, dogs that don't sit, people that have dogs that don't sit or don't sit very long. You know, you got you got one turn and then they're going to autocast. Again, that dog wasn't taught, hey, when you go out and I blow the sit whistle, done. Until I tell you something different, which is the way a mind works. So if your mind is out there going, oh, we got him to stop good. I better get him to go because he's going to get up. And your mind is working all fast like that exactly what your dog's going to do. They're going to go out there and run that blind exactly the way that your mind works. And so when you don't like that, you can't get after the dog because they are merely reflecting back to you what you have communicated to them. And it's throughout everywhere. And I, I could probably sit here for another half hour and come up with some other examples. But, it, it and I, I got, there's one more recently a conversation I got to think about got to say to everybody so on running marked retrieves right that's the ones where they sit there and they watch the bird go down and then they whatever you're throwing and then they go get it so when people don't um when people help a lot I was talking recently to somebody who had a fairly mature dog who said oh yeah we we he had a name for it we throw something, and then when they're on their way out, we throw it again. And then when they're still out there, we throw it again. That way we teach them to go out there. You know, We call that double birding if you, on a real young dog. But if you're always helping your dog, always helping them, instead of sometimes leaving it up to them to figure out, then they're going to need help all the time. And so when they go out and do something, especially after you paid an entry fee, and they didn't get all the way out there, it's because nobody threw another bird on their way. You've taught them that anytime it's a little difficult, I help you out. It's like kids. You get sometimes kids have to learn how to deal with stuff, and dogs need to learn how to watch and then go all the way out there. Maybe a few times you help them out, and if you're running marks and your dog you handle as soon as he's off, then the dog never learns how to diligently get out there and look for the bird because they know you're going to blow the whistle and cast them to it. So then they just reflect your robotic stuff instead of going out there and digging as hard as they can from their heart to go find that bird. So a lot of the stuff, the vast majority of stuff that our dogs do, especially if it's a problem, especially if we don't understand where that came from and why they're doing that, put the dog away, go look in the mirror and say, all right, 
What are you doing that's making this happen? And it's not easy always to diagnose. Like that blinded example I was talking about where up front you give three left casts and then you wonder at the end why every way your dog goes is left. It's, you know, it's hard to think about that stuff sometimes unless you pay attention to everything you did and go back over it. You know, I've asked a lot of people when I'm watching them, why'd you give that right cast over there by the stump? Did I give her a right cast? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. Okay, it's when if you're going to train like that and be unaware of, of your very important input, then it's going to be real hard to diagnose. So then it's the dog's fault, and, and so it goes. So I just want to throw this one out. It's a tough subject. You know, it's tough when I watch people and I go, well, why did you do this? And then they tell me they didn't. Well, I, I can't. I'm not. We're done. I, there's nothing I can do to help because they're going to tell me I'm wrong and I saw what I saw, you know, and I have no particular bias one way or the other. And it's very hard to do that yourself, to sit there and go, I gave that right cast and he went right, right at the wrong place. Darn, you know, why didn't I see that, at, that ahead of time and fix that? So that's today's. Um, I hope it's useful. It should be useful to absolutely every human that owns a dog. Um, because this is the nature of the dog human thing, particularly when you, you know, work with them, live with them, train them, compete with them. It's a really, really big deal. So even if you have your dog pro trained and it's really good, you need to still get as much as you can into the level of your dog. So you understand stuff that's happening. It's not like, well, I paid for it. It should do all the right stuff. It's still going to reflect you. Uh, when you get confused or angry or make a mistake or send the wrong message. So all of that's a big part of dog training. But I'll leave you with that, at least some food for thought. Um, and if I could get the 95% of everybody out there to quit blaming their dog for <laughs> what's going on, because it ain't the dog, assuming your dog has enough talent and enough desire to do what you're asking it to do, it ain't the dog. So that's today's. Another blizzard blowing through the county. We have we have a Wednesday, every Wednesday snowfall here. Odd thing. Um, but sometimes spring will show up and that will be good. And test season is starting very soon. Field trial season like already going a little bit. So good luck to everybody. And I will be back soon. <laughs>